Warning! This episode contains foul language, reference to sexual assault and pedophilia, and a couple jabs at Florida. listening to keep it weird the podcast for all things strange and unusual paranormal and supernatural fact and fiction cats and dogs living together mass hysteria each week we have the distinct pleasure of sitting down and chatting about something weird and this week is certainly no exception because we are once again traveling the world to track down some of its strangest places We've seen towns existing on top of never-ending fires, villages where it's rained meat, and ranches that are filled with monsters surrounded by UFOs. And today, we're discovering new places. Places that are fascinating, places that are hilarious, places that are deadly, places we may not want to go. So strap on your fanny pack and make sure you've got plenty of sunscreen because we're taking a trip into the Twilight Zone. My name is Ashley and this is my co-host Lauren. Hello, weirdos. And these are the days of our lives. And these are the days of our lives. <laughs> like sand through the hourglass. Uh, Was the place with the never-ending fire the place in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I guess what it's called. Centralia. Centralia. Did we talk about that? Um, We have talked about that on this show. I I mean, it, like but I remember when? it, but I couldn't remember if we just talked about it on your couch or if it was on the show. <laughs> I know I talked about it in the show. I can't say that it's been on a mainstream episode or if it was on a bonus episode. That's totally fair. Uh, but I definitely remember because I watched a little documentary on it. Wow, it's wild. Doing research. Oh, abs- oh, uh, was it weird nature? Oh, maybe. Because I talked to because it, it was a fire. I don't know. Yeah, possible. You ready for this? Are you ready for this? Oh, maybe. Wait for it. Oh, you know what that is? I can't tell if it was a Lacroix or a White Claw or. Well, it's not a White Claw because I got vaccinated yesterday and I can't have alcohol oh, for forty-eight true. hours. Fair. It is a new Lacroix flavor. Mm. Mm-hmm. What kind? Guava. <gasps> I feel like it's I would love that. Delicious. It tastes like a damn fruit. Oh my god, that actually sounds really good. Because you know, I like LaCroix for me, it has to be a very specific flavor. There are a couple LaCroix I am just not down with. I think they just taste like essence of what, apple like or whatever the hell it's supposed coconut. to be. Coconut. Yeah. They're just not Lime. good. It mm-hmm. just is bubbly water with like nothing. Right. But guava actually sounds really good. And I really enjoy... I forget which one you always used to give me when we used to actually you know, recorded person. See each other. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Is pomegranate a flavor? Did I make? No. Was it passion fruit? Well, there's passion fruit. There's pomplemousse, which is That's, grapefruit. Yes. That one's the bomb because it tastes like fresca. It does. But I believe there was a passion fruit as well that I really enjoyed. 
maybe not. Yeah. I like pretty much all LaCroix. My thing is I never drank soda really. Like growing up, I would have root beer every once in a while, but I was a big like milk and water girl. <laughs> Same. And as an adult, I drink black coffee and I drink water. So when I have a LaCroix, that is a flavor explosion. Yes. Whereas I think the people that really hate LaCroix are people that drink like really flavorful things already. So they're like, this tastes like garbage. A, a, a strawberry sneezed into this <laughs> water. And I'm like, I get it. But to me, it's like, it's very yeah, exciting. I get that. Because I, I do think people who grew up on, you know, soda and drinking all like just juice, like juice all day, yeah, every juice. day, you're not going to get that. Like this is not yeah. juice, but I totally get it. This is not it. for your palate. It's not, but I got to give some respect. They have a couple decent flavors, but for the most sure part, do. I I enjoy a real glass of water and I'm okay with mm. it. Yeah. I can survive. Give me that tap water, y'all. Yes. So they have guava as a new flavor. Another new flavor is black raspberry, and that one's very good as well. That also sounds is good. Is it black See, raspberry? I have an open yeah, I think mind. It's black raspberry. I'm here mm -hmm. for it. And yeah, well, oh, when you come over, you haven't even had hibiscus, I don't think. Like, there's so many things I have to open your mind to no, when you get here. I had hibiscus unless I'm, oh, like, totally misremembering, but I'm pretty sure I had it at our very last recording together when we recorded with Carl and then the world ended after that. Oh, maybe. I'm pretty sure you like gave me hibiscus. Yes, it was so yeah. good. It was the last one I had at your house. Probably my last LaCroix, like, ever. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by LaCroix. LaCroix. <laughs> and what started all of this was you saying that you couldn't drink Cracking because you open. got vaccinated. So honestly, mm -hmm. congrats. Thank you so much. Um, it didn't hurt at all. Guys, please get vaccinated. Do it. Please. Like, there's nothing in it. It's just a vaccination. I actually saw this thing the other day that I thought was interesting. Um, someone explaining what a vaccination is. Because so many people think that when you get a vaccination, you are getting a small dose of that, that disease. The virus, yeah. Um, and that's why you feel kind of icky. And it's like, no, that's not what's happening. Uh, this woman explained it. This epidemiologist explained it like, okay, imagine your body is a bouncer at a bar. Okay, and the vaccine, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson Johnson, whichever one you get, is essentially a picture of a guy you don't want coming in your bar, and so it's like a blueprint. It's like a it's like a photograph of COVID. Like it's showing your body what it looks like, so that okay. they're like, okay, so that guy's no good. Like he's banned. He can't come in. They're like so you're exactly. kind of just like memorizing the code of what the virus yeah. could be, but it's not actually exactly. The virus. And then the second uh, dose, or if you have Johnson Johnson, it's all in one dose. But the second dose is then reintroducing that blueprint and going get them. Yeah, like and now so your react. body attacks that photograph of that disease and uh, is able to kill it. You know, and that's why you kind of feel crummy sometimes during your second. Yeah, that's why your body starts dose. to feel a little sick because then you are it's fighting it off. Your body is fighting off of uh, uh, what what it thinks is a, a disease, but it's not. So, anyways, get vaccinated. Don't be a dope. Please don't, you guys. I'm fully vaccinated as of last Friday. I feel amazing. Yeah, you got that J&J. I got that J&J. So I was one and done. And my body did have like a very strong reaction. It was a rough like 24-ish yeah. hours. You had but like the flu kind of. Yeah, basically just had the flu. But I, I mean, I've said it. I feel like I said it on our bonus episode with Amy. Like I felt like crap, but it was so, so worth it. It's so it worth was it. 24 hours of crap. And then I know I'm vaccinated and safe 
And then, yeah, I got my, uh, I got just the one dose, but then also it has now officially been two weeks as of last Friday. So now I'm like full, full vaccinated. Yeah. So You're ready to rock. It's feeling good. I didn't get the blood clots that only what, like six people got out of seven million. So Fucking, guys, please. I get it. But like, I, just take I get aspirin. That there has to after be. you get the. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take some aspirin. And I get the fear. If you are prone to blood clots, don't get Johnson & Johnson. I would say that because it sounds like with the women and the one man who did get the blood clots, it was like they had some issues before and they had like a low platelet count already. They already had issues. So if you think you have those issues, then yes, by all means avoid it. But honestly, I'm fine. So many people are totally fine after J&J. So if that is the one being offered to you, don't be scared of it. Just get vexed. Just that get is it. My... And also, like, any woman who is on any type of birth control that's like, I don't want it because of blood clots, you're lying. Because <laughs> your birth control is just you clotting you up. Super <laughs> high risk. Yeah. 100%. Uh, and has been for the 20 years I've been on it. I've been on yep. birth control for a long time. Yeah. When I first got put on birth control, I was lied to. I, was, I, I wasn't told it was birth control because I was so young because oh, it no. was for my it was for my periods. My periods were so bad. Sorry, guys. Just one yep. second. My periods were so bad, so horrible and lethal that I would pass out in class. Ugh, um, and the way that you regulate a woman's period is you know, birth, yeah, control. birth control. Like it's, you know, it's it's the hormones that you need that balance you out, and it worked immediately. So I was on birth control, but I had no idea, and I was like uh, twelve or thirteen. Which I just knew crazy. I had to take no this one pill to help. It to you. That's well. Nuts. I mean, I think purposefully they weren't like you're on birth control because that could have been weird for me. Especially going to an all Christian school (laughs) and like not even knowing at the time what anything sexual was. I think it was just easier to be like this. These pills will help you. Yeah. And then it's like years later, it's like, oh, I'm on birth control. This prevents you from having a baby. And you're like, should I be having sex? Should I be worried about that right now? Um, Because I just learned about Moses. (laughs) So anyways, I'm vaccinated. Um, We're both vaccinated. We've yay. seen my octopus teacher. Our lives, our souls, they're crushed. Um, yep. Ugh, my octopus teacher is so good. I can't believe no one told me that I was going to be Ashley, so upset. you must not have read the messages between me and one of our listeners. I'm forgetting who it is now. I, I'm sorry if it's you. Shout out to us. But we were talking about how octopuses are super cool and smart, but that I still have right. a fear of them. And I was like, listen... I bawled my eyes out at my octopus teacher. I almost threw up from crying, so I get it. However, do I want one to jump out of the sand when I'm not prepared and suction to my face? No. So I thought you were a part of that conversation. (laughs) But, like, here's the thing. Like, I love cats. Cats are my favorite animal. Do I want one to jump on my head in a dark alley? And scratch your eyes out? No. Of course. So I think you're, you're only human. It's true. Today we're going to some strange places. Oh, yeah. We should get back on track. Sorry about it. <laughs> like the ocean. No, we're not going to the ocean today, I don't think. Wait, are you covering... What are you covering oh. today? Yeah, I guess we should talk about it because now... Strange like, towns, right? Yeah, I am doing strange towns, but like I... Now, like that, after you brought up Centralia, Pennsylvania, I was like, I was so close to covering that and deleted it because I was like, I feel like we mentioned it before and thank God I didn't. Um, I'm pretty sure we have. I'm talking. No, I think you're right because it did sound familiar. That's why I trusted my gut. 
If anyone doesn't know, these mines caught on fire like 35 years ago, and it's still on fire. It's still burning, and everyone had to (laughs) vacate this town. But some fucking people still live there. I did read an update. There are two people who are still holding on for dear life and still live there. They're like, someone's going to come in and fix it. I know. They, like, literally a woman got interviewed and was like, someone is coming, and they're going to, like, reinvigorate this town. And I was like, oh, Ethel. Ethel, <laughs> find a way to put that damn fire out, that underground fire. The People underground were literally falling fire. through holes in their yard in into, fi- into hell. Ugh, it was awful. So No awful. one's moving there, Ethel. Okay, y'all. I am going to jump into <laughs> some weird towns around the world. I'm so excited. I love weird towns. I do too. Like just the quirks, the weird traditions that you just don't quite understand, but sort of want to visit to experience them. Um, I have a couple in the U.S., but then we are also going to travel to other countries, guys. So just buckle in. Um, I'm going to start with this really weird city in Florida. Um, This one is like super short and sweet, but I felt like I could not go by without mentioning it. So there is a city called Vernon, Florida. And also, I don't think anyone would be shocked to hear that I'm talking about a city from Florida today. Yeah. But (laughs) it's in northern um, Florida in Washington County. It's a population of about 700 people. Um, Vernon became known as Nub City. Nub. You heard right. In the 50s and 60s, because there were a high number of limb loss insurance claims made in the area, it was believed that many people (laughs) were getting into quote unquote accidents where they were losing their arms and legs in order to collect insurance money, which is just the most Florida thing I've ever heard in my life. But it was so much of a thing that, like, every other city in Florida, and even like it started to catch wind in. Other states, people were saying, oh, they are definitely doing this on purpose. It's absurd how often this is happening. It was all through the 50s and 60s pretty much for like, yeah, 20 years. I don't think it's happening as much today, but like good gravy. It happened enough that your entire city got a nickname. Nub City. And (laughs) so were they lying about losing a limb or they were chopping their own limbs off? They were actually losing their limbs, Ashley, because they had to show proof to insurance. So like Florida don't care, I guess, is what we That's true. What's an arm for? What do we need an arm for? If I'm going to have all this money, I can smoke my cigarette in the other arm. That is so rude. I'm sorry for people in Florida who are totally classy and normal. We have a lot of friends in Florida, and I actually really like Florida, but you're so, it's an it's such an easy target. It and is. And you can't like, expect us to not aim for it. Also, yeah. you can take any time I joke about Florida with a grain of salt, because here this is. My parents live in Florida. I love my parents. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still going to trash, trash their home state. Yeah, you're yeah. all garbage. So Vernon was featured in uh, Errol Morris's 1981 documentary film called Vernon, Florida. Original. Yeah, Soup's original. But listen, listen to this. So it was highlighting like the eccentric, crazy little quirky people who lived here. And it was just supposed to be like, hey, Vernon's kind of this forgotten city, but look at the fun folks here. And it it is an interesting documentary. People liked it, whatever. But the movie originally was supposed to be titled Nub City because Errol had gotten word of everything that was going on throughout the 50s and 60s. And this is when it was starting to become like a little more public news. 
So he went down there trying to start the documentary more about the insurance claims and why the numbers were so high. But the movie idea angered so many of the residents, saying that they were going to portray Vernon in a negative light and possibly uncover the truth, that people started threatening him. He was getting death threats, and um, I think some of them got so serious that, like, people were, you know, finding his hotel room, like, knocking on his doors. Like, he was getting full threats. It wasn't just phone calls and notes here and there. People were finding him. They were hunting him down. So he said, okay, okay, okay. I will not go with the Nub City angle. I will just call it Vernon, Florida, and we will talk about how interesting of a town this is. But it's so sad now knowing that that was his original plan because how good would a Nub City documentary be? But Right. Ticket for one. Yeah. So it's really sad that it wasn't able to happen. But at the same time, with all these rumors flowing around and, you know, the documentary getting shut down, with this, which is super sketchy, and why were these people so angry – At the end of the day, there really is no hard evidence to support all of the speculations. You know, these people did lose their limbs, so we should just believe them. But the crazy thing is, with a population of somewhere between 500 and 800 people over the last 60 years, it fluctuated between between that, um, Vernon, Florida, accounted for as many as two-thirds of limb loss insurance claims nationally. Which is crazy. Because yeah. that is not even a thousand people in this city, and they made up of two thirds nationally oh, every year. <laughs> I mean, and I just don't see a lot of people willing to lose a part of their physical body just to make insurance. a dollar. I truly, I truly don't understand. Listen, it, but... desperation is something, but and it really is, and that's why we've seen a you know, spike in crime during COVID mm-hmm. because oh, like, yeah. desperation is real. I mean, even in our own garage, like me and Alex have had groceries stolen that were delivered and Alex got his bike stolen. And, you know, like we've, I had a, I'm already forgetting the name. It's this thing that can be stolen off of hybrid cars really easily. I got that stolen off my Prius. The one time I parked on the street, I always park in a locked garage, but I parked on the street once and had this thing Uh, taken off of my car that basically stops your engine from being muffled so Priuses are known to be silent but it started going (laughs) and I was like hello and it I went to the (laughs) mechanic and he was like oh yeah you got your cattle oh catalytic converter I remember the name it got stolen so anyway that is all to say I do understand that when people are put in a position desperation can take over and I Looking up um, kind of the income status of most of these people in Vernon, because you could kind of find where these people are at. It is not, you know, a super wealthy area. So maybe these people truly are just looking for any way out. And you want to empathize with that a little, but also like, hello, you cut off your arm. I just So many of you. So many of you. Cut off your arms. (laughs) Nub City, Vernon, Florida. Can I actually cut in and do a quick Florida one that you're not covering? Yes, please. Okay. And I didn't do research on this, so I'm just reading Wikipedia for anyone who's listening is like, this sounds like you're reading. I am. <laughs> it's called Miracle Village. Yes. Um, it's I the name of a this. community on Muck City Road, three miles east of Pahokee, Florida, and it serves as a haven for registered sex offenders. So it's literally an entire town. Um, of just sex offenders and it's so far from anything it's like a 40 minute drive to get to the supermarket 
Mm-hmm. So like it's so far, it's the place was specifically chosen for isolation, given that sex offender uh, residence restrictions won't apply to yeah, this place. Yeah, it was place. a way to like integrate them back into society, but very slowly. So like yeah. here, try living alone for a while, and maybe mm-hmm. you'll be able to venture somewhere else. Yeah, the complex is fifty four duplexes and a and six family homes operated by Matthew Twenty Five Ministries an organization with the stated goal of providing prison aftercare. So they also like help the uh, men. I assume it's only men there. It does not say if there's men and women there. I read a little bit about it because I did almost cover it, but there are women there as well. Very few. It's mostly men. But yeah, there's a couple women there and it was sad. They like hadn't seen their kids in years, but also Mm -hmm. didn't know how to get in touch with them. So they were going through therapy to try and find ways to like, reach out to them which is insanely sad but also you know you you committed this crime so yeah you, you kind you of know, have to deal with that there too. are consequences to actions but here's what i don't understand maybe you can clear it up for me according to the organization's website they do not accept violent offenders which is good mm-hmm. or serial offenders nor minister to pedophiles which they define as someone who can become sexually aroused by a child so what do, who's there I mean, I know there were a lot of, like, naked in public Public um, type things. Yeah, and, like, some assault cases, but you just said nonviolent, so that's what I'm not understanding. I wonder if there – I'm sure this isn't correct. I'm like, is there a minor assault? Yeah, I wonder if they consider, like – I don't know. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to call and ask. So if anyone knows, you can let us know. But (laughs) Yeah, please write in if you know more. Or we can read a little deeper into it. We could also read more about it. Um, I just like barely brushed the surface. But I could have sworn it said also assault. But maybe that's incorrect. Interesting. Okay. But yeah, Let's get out of Florida. This place is... I know. Can we... We got to head out. This place is wild. We got to get out of Florida, guys. We are headed to our home state, y'all. Slab City, California. I love that I said y'all oh, as if we're in home, the South. And home state. I was like, Illinois. Oh, well, our current home current, state. Come on. It's one of the base. home states. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Current home base. We're headed to California to a place known as Slab City, also Slab called City. the Slabs. It is an unincorporated, off-the-grid little town consisting largely of snowbirds and their RVs in Imperial County, California, which is about 100 miles north of San Diego. It is 50 miles away from Mexico, um, just to give you kind of an idea of where we're at. It took its name from the concrete slabs that remained in this area after the World War II training camp it used to be was torn down. So Slab City is known for attracting people who want to live outside mainstream society and be free of rules and regulations. Little history. I know. Mike, should we all go? So, as I said, it used to be a Marine Corps training base. It was called Camp Dunlap during World War II. And after construction of Camp Dunlap was completed, it was commissioned and used on October 15th, 1942. The camp had fully functioning buildings, water, roads, sewage collection, everything. And the base was used for three years during the war. By 1949, military operations at Camp Dunlap had been reduced, but there was a skeleton crew that continued on for a few years. By 1956, though, all buildings had been dismantled. Everything was torn down, but a bunch of concrete slabs remained and are still there today. 
So then we're fast forwarding to the future. It was first settled by a few veterans, actually, who had worked at the Marine base who just kind of hung around. And then a few more drifters came and then RV owners were searching for camping spots outside of Palm Springs. And now there's just this whole community of people like at sometimes there can be like thousands of RVs there at a time. Current residents refer to themselves as the Slabbies, and tourists who come through are the Normies, of course. Um, As of October 6th, 1961, there was a deed conveying the land to the state of California. Um, The Department of Defense determined that it was no longer needed, so it is officially just belonging to the state. But this also means that it does not really have any restrictions, clauses, or restoration provisions. It's kind of just there. Um, And the remaining slabs like had nowhere to go. Nobody was coming to pick them up. So people were just allowed to do whatever they want. And when an article was printed in Trailer Life and RV Magazine 1984, that was when things really, you know, caught the eye of the public. And they're like, there's just this open space we can go camping and it costs nothing. So people flocked there. Then by 1988, that's when it got into the hundreds that RVs were. And uh, then just a couple of years later after that, a resident was interviewed saying at some time there could be 2,000 trailers. I believe it was like Goodness. closer to 1990. <laughs> so people really found out about this place. One of the first settlers was a man named Leonard Knight. He created Salvation Mountain, which is an art installation that you basically see as soon as you enter. It is like the picture of what you see. Countless magazines have covered this guy. Um, Celebrities have talked about this guy. I think a documentary crew interviewed him. Um, He has since passed away, but his obituary stated that he spent almost 30 years building this colorful mountain. It is made out of adobe bricks, concrete, car tires, and donated paint. And it's just this big, colorful, glorious mountain with um, some Bible quotes on it, but also just kind of motivational quotes surrounding it. It's just sort of supposed to be this spiritual hill that you come and feel that you belong as soon as you arrive. And it's supposed to just kind of welcome the weary traveler when you get there. Uh, Leonard Knight slept at the mountain's base in the back of his pickup truck for basically 30 years with no electricity or running water creating this thing. And now it's this historic art installation that has been featured everywhere. So that's pretty cool. And also nowadays, there is an open air nightclub complete with flashing lights and speakers where there is live music and dancing. And all of the seating is old couches and antique chairs that have been brought in. Or found or that have fallen off people's cars on the highway, um, which actually sounds kind of cool. And I wouldn't mind checking it out. But Slab City is basically known as Squatter's Paradise. Um, Everyone who lives there calls it the last free city in America because they believe they are just living off the grid. They have everything they could ever need. There are kids who live in this community and there are buses uh, to schools that like to areas that are maybe you know 20 minutes away that actually make the trek out to slab city to pick up the kids and take them to school so that they can still have an education while all the parents just kind of hang out and live their bohemian (laughs) lifestyle so that is slab city this is the spot if you're looking to escape your life or you just you know maybe for a month or so you want to just go get lost and discover who you are Go check out Slab City, California, y'all. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Burning Man. It really does. It's kind of just a so, nonstop hippie party. <laughs> yeah, if that's your if that's your shit, yeah, I would 
definitely move here. It's my worst nightmare. So not for me. me. I need air conditioning. I need I'm a my real amenities. big baby. <laughs> not cool at all. I'm not a cool gal. I'm not cool. There are so many times I want to say I could just, you know, live this boho chic life, mm-hmm. but I can't. I want I want my AC. I want my running water. Yeah. I want to know that a fire department is near or a hospital. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one, too. I didn't That's think of. That's the other thing. Because, like, I could live in a pretty, you know, outside of a town, like, not close to any neighbors and I could grow my own food like you'd have to teach me I don't know how to do any of that stuff but like that sounds awesome but I also want an Applebee's yeah (laughs) you're gonna want a restaurant every once in a while yep yeah I'm gonna want to go to Chili's and (laughs) get a margarita like uh five years I I haven't been to an Applebee's in probably 10 years but I did go to a Chili's like a sad amount of time ago like you'd think I'd say a few years but I think it was like a year and a half because I discovered there was a Chili's in Manhattan Beach not too far say, from me if I had so a Chili's I'd, I'd go to Chili's the chicken crispers were delightful everybody <laughs> so anyway I wouldn't survive in Slab City no. just wouldn't but I also did not know this place existed and I thought it was fascinating that all these people are still there And people just go visit, you know, they drive with their RV and they go check it out and there's like kind of music festivals there and they vacation and it it is what it is and it's kind of cool. Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Trevin. We're the hosts of Seriously Sinister, a true petty crime podcast. The show that asks, is that a murder weapon in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? (laughs) We're bringing something new and different to the true crime genre. Each week, we both tell a true petty crime story with high drama and movie-like sound production. Also, get to know us with our weekly dreadful dilemmas and killer facts. Here's a sample of two of our true petty crime stories. Enjoy. As I lay on the floor crying, my vision started to become more clear and my perpetrator came into focus. A familiar Henri laugh emerged from the man as I recognized his smile. It was my husband. I quickly ripped open the paper and turned to the third page. Earlier in the week, another call had come in. This time a woman had answered the door and got an eye full of mystery fist. The call description... We hope you all enjoyed listening along and aren't too scared to subscribe to our show. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So now we're going to leave the U.S. There are so many weird towns in the U.S. that like this could be a four-hour episode. So I decided to just venture away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Heading to Longyearbyen, Norway. Yes, that is a name. Longyearbyen. Is that one word? Yes, one one word. Longyearbyen, the northernmost city in the entire world. Wow. Um, It is a city where it is – it's – most interesting thing it has a lot of interesting things about it but the thing that caught my eye about it it is it is a city where death is not allowed it is literally illegal if you are sick or you are dying you are sent away and if you do happen to die in the town no one will bury you you either have to be cremated or your body has to be transported somewhere else the town has had this policy for over 80 years and the cemetery has been closed since 1918 and it is because I'm sure you could guess because it is the northernmost city. The temperature in Longyearbyen is basically always like negative something horrible. Mm. 
Um, the winters get down to negative 50 degrees Fahrenheit, and there is permafrost, which I actually just oh, mentioned. Oh, you just talked about that. <laughs> last week. Permafrost, baby. The permafrost is thick and is basically there year-round, except for a brief time in the summer where things melt. But after burying bodies at the turn of the century, townspeople soon realized that the bodies were not decomposing, but instead staying perfectly preserved. Bodies in the cemetery were so well-preserved that scientists found living traces of the Spanish flu pandemic Ah. still alive in people in the cemetery. Like, not like, oh, we see a trace of in their DNA. Like, a living virus was in their blood still because the bodies were so well-preserved. The good news with this is that this actually helped scientists to study the disease and gave them new knowledge on how to fight diseases in general. So I guess... That is something good. But the other thing was, okay, this can't work. This can't be a thing. And as we learned on last week's episode, we don't want a cloned army of people. So we got to get these out of here. So this made the town double down on the whole idea of like, we can't let people die here. We have to get bodies out of here. So it is illegal. You have to disclose if you believe you are, you know, gravely ill or actually dying and you have to get out of there, basically. Wow. Um, Does it say where they go? It didn't say. I assume you can go to other places in Norway because, you know, the whole country of Norway isn't this way. So I assume you just kind of get picked up in a helicopter or plane and flown a couple hours away. I didn't know if there was like a special cemetery. It's like for the people of Longyearbyen. People of Longyearbyen. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it's one specific cemetery. I think it's just like get the hell out of here Mm -hmm. and go to the mainland to other areas of Norway. But this, yeah, Longyearbyen specifically is just so, so cold and crazy. Wow. So a couple more fun facts besides it being illegal to die is that the whole town is on stilts, basically, so that when the permafrost does finally melt for that very short period of time in the summer, no one's homes will be flooded and filled with water. So that's actually very smart. Snow scooters are the main mode of transportation, which I think is so fun. They try to always have about 4,000 scooters on hand, which means that every resident, like, should be able to have two or, you know, at least have the option of having a backup because there's about, you know, 2,000 people in the city. So that that is the main mode of transportation is scoot, scoot, scooting around through the snow. <laughs> and also, while you're scooting, you're probably going to see a reindeer because they love to just hang around in the middle of Cute. the street, in the middle of yards, like next to windows. And what I enjoyed learning was they are super docile. There are really no predators nearby that are going to come after them. They aren't predators. So they're just chilling. But... There are polar bears also that exist. And the amount of polar bears in Longyearbyen is basically the same amount as people in Longyearbyen. Sure. So there's somewhere around 2,000 residents. There's also somewhere around 2,000 polar bears. So these bears, as cute as they are in the Coca-Cola commercials, they're going to rip your damn face off. So they're dangerous. Everyone is very scared of them, and actually most people in town carry guns around just in case they encounter a bear, and all of the businesses in Longyearbyen just require that you check your gun when you walk in the door of any establishment. They're like, hey, I get that you need one when you're outside, don't let them polar bears get you, but you have to turn it in when you get there. 
And you also, at most places, have to take off your shoes. It is custom in any home, in any, in most businesses as well. I guess maybe not if it's like a dive bar, but also maybe so. I'm not sure. But you take off your shoes because of all there's this. not that many. I know. Also, it's not like a huge town. So dive bars. Not, but they ask you to take off your shoes because you're tracking in, you know, the snow and ice and all of the cold. But if you are you know, frozen to the bone looking for a warm spot, you really don't want to take off your shoes, you will be given slippers in exchange to keep your feet warm, which is just so sweet. The highs and, and the lows of long year bien. Right? Like I keep telling you like a little bit of bad news and then I'm like, but I'm also like, but listen to how adorable. Slippers. Um, also, if you're wondering why it's this long, crazy name, Long Year Ben, it actually literally translates to Long Year City. Uh, yeah. Pretty easy. <laughs> and it is because the sun is gone for four months, mm. which there are other cities in, you know, the world that this happens to, but it still never ceases to amaze me and shock me. The sun sets each year for the last time on October 25th, and it does not officially rise again until March 8th. And there is a big party when the sun rises on March 8th. There is a little festival. It's called Solfestuka. It is a week-long celebration to welcome the return of the sun. The entire town gathers on the steps of the old hospital in town, which I think is like just at the right spot on a hill at the perfect level to catch the first of the sun when it rises at 12.15 p.m. And everyone is on those steps to await the arrival. And then it is sunshine rage party time. And everyone goes nuts. And it's just like there is music. There's dancing. There's everything. And it's just this week-long big party, Solfestuka. So that is really cool. I actually wouldn't mind traveling to this place. I know I would be cold and probably terrified, but also I'm very curious about all of it and kind of want to ride on a snow scooter. So that is long year been. <laughs> Going to a much warmer place, Cooper Petty, Australia. Cooper Petty. Cooper That's why I say when I pet Gabby. Goober petty. <laughs> Cooper's the goob. getting the petties. <laughs> <laughs> Cooper Petty is a town in southern Australia where most residences and businesses are underground in caves, hmm. which okay. is fascinating and also intrigues me a bit. It is a desert town like nowhere on Earth. It kind of resembles the surface of the moon. It has a very lunar look to it. The way the sand Drab. and dirt looks, it, like, it actually looks really cool in all of the photos. It is renowned as the opal capital of the world, Australia's national gemstone, the opal. Uh, it has been mined here, for the most part, for more than 100 years. Wow. And the opal mining is what brought people to it in the first place. But then these brutal conditions were discovered. So it's like, okay, we love doing the opal mining here, but it is so hot it gets to 115 degrees Fahrenheit in the shade. Oh, no. So it is like, it's desert, desert, desert. Like, worse than Palm Springs, I would say. Palm Springs gets really freaking hot, but you can at least usually find some shade and cool off a little bit. Not here. The brutal conditions have led many of the town's approximately 1,800 inhabitants to live underground. They live in caves called dugouts, and these underground homes are naturally eco-friendly. They require no air conditioning or insulation, which is amazing, because the surface level, again, can get up to just the most ob 
absurd temperatures. And you can rarely even find this mythical shade that I spoke of because there aren't a lot of trees, plants, or even grass that grows here due to the harsh conditions of the sun and the heat. So people do live above ground here, but they absolutely have to have strong air conditioning, proper insulation, all kinds of things that are extra cost. So it actually makes more sense to live in the caves. Yeah. I was watching uh, Unexplained with William Shatner. Yes. Because there's another city sort of like that in um, China somewhere. And yes, I believe um, you're correct. Yeah. And they were saying that like the future of uh, people of Earth, of the people of Earth building homes will be underground. Just as global warming worsens, as global warming worsens, but also to financial distress, like you sure. said, the fact that people can't afford things like air conditioning and, and heat and things like yeah. that and uh, living in homes that are underground or in the ground, you know, you see a lot of homes built into like hills and stuff. Right. Um, you don't need that stuff. There are like ventilation systems that keep you at like a perfect 70 degrees. Right. No matter the weather. Right. It does make so much sense. And, you know, urban sprawl and things like that. Like eventually, if you're wanting to live in Los Angeles, there will be no available space to live in Los Angeles. So I know that like within the next like five or six years, they want the first underground skyscraper to be built. Ooh, I love that. That Uh, My question is like, how does stuff like that? Is that safe in like an earthquake situation? Are you safer underground in an earthquake situation? It sounds like they have built all of these caves with that intention of Uh, like like nothing. There's not enough above you to fall down and crush you. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I don't know that you're necessarily safer (laughs) underground, (laughs) but that I think there was a lot of thought put into these dugouts saying like we're we're at least not going to let this many pounds fall on you if things do crumble and try to get to this area if an earthquake happens blah 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 but yeah i mean i don't know if it's like the safest place to be but i i know that that was taken into consideration making these places and a lot of them it sounds like are about like 30 feet underground it seems to be or built into the sides of hillsides the or the sides of hills, which is a hillside. That was that language, <laughs> the sides everyone. Of hills, hillside. <laughs> it sounded like the deepest place was fifty six feet underground. So nothing is like in the earth too right. dramatic. But okay. there, it's still amazing that all of this underground stuff exists. And actually, it started with a lot of just you know resident places were underground, but now it has spread to there are restaurants, there are hotels, there are businesses that also have gone underground. So it's sort of become this subterranean city, which is very, very cool. And again, like you said, China is doing this as well. I think I may have even seen somewhere else in Europe that was doing it too, or like working on it, starting to build things into hillsides, which I think is awesome. And I hope we do it eventually. But Tourists come from all over the world to Cooper Petty, Australia to stay in the underground hotels or even camp. People will pitch a tent and camp underground in the caves, which is cool. And as I said before, check out the photos online. I'm sure we will post a couple somewhere. It actually looks really, really pretty. And some of the setups with the hotels and, you know, the bed and breakfast actually looks so creative and dreamy. And especially if you're like, an Instagram influencer, this would be your dream if you want to go. Go sleep in a cave. 
Um, okay, my final one. I know I've been talking forever, I but I could not leave this one out because I'm sort of obsessed <laughs> with it. It is called Noiva de Cordero in Brazil. So, Noiva de Cordero was born in the hills near Belo, Ve Belo Valle, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, Belo Valle, in southeastern Brazil, after a woman named Maria Senhorina de Lima was branded an adulterer after leaving a man she had been forced to marry. Mm. She was chased out of town in 1891 after the Catholic Church excommunicated her for cheating on this forced marriage, and the next five generations of her family were also excommunicated because of her being with this other suitor. Jesus. So she was shunned by the local population, ran away to this, you know, unincorporated place. She and the other women who subsequently went to live there as well because they were vilified as loose women and called prostitutes even when they were not, all came to this place to isolate isolate themselves from the outside world and they started a woman only city in okay. brazil yeah i'll go there everything run by women the government by women every business all the food all the everything run by women wow so this was going on for quite a while them kind of getting things off the ground you know building homes building businesses making things happen as bad as women do and then they realized, okay, as much as we want to just be women, there were a few of them who were like, hey, listen, I'm straight and I do want a man. So one of the women did marry an evangelical pastor at one point. God. She was only, she was either 16 or 17. So also like. Someone's always got to ruin on. it. I know. You know. <sighs> Somebody has to come in. Usually a dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. There are many straight lovely men in who general listen to the show. Are the worst. Yeah, also, just straight people. So this pastor comes in. His name is Anicio Pereira. He marries this woman, and he founds a church in this community. Because he's like, hey, I love what you're doing, but I want to bring a church here. <laughs> hey, I love what you're doing, but just like Christians do to everyone, <laughs> um, I'm going to come in here, and I'm going to make it hell on earth. I'm going to ruin this right now. Ruin whatever as you have going only on. Christianity can. <laughs> so just scoot on over, ladies. He proceeded to impose strict puritanical rules, banning them from drinking alcohol, listening to music, cutting their hair, wow, or using guy. any type of contraceptive. So he just straight up yeah. ruined what they had grown. Not surprised. Thank goodness. I shouldn't say thank goodness for the death of a human, but sorry about it. Anisio died in 1995, and the women all said, we are never letting a man dictate how we should live again. And one of the first things they did was to dismantle the male-biased organized religion that he had set up. They tore down everything that he had spent like 20 years setting up. They were like, get out of here. We're not doing this. If people want to be spiritual and go to church, they can, but they are doing it on their own time the way they want to. If you want to get married in front of your friend instead of a priest, you can do whatever you want. Everything he said is gone. And that is how they lived ever since 1995, when that idiot left. And the women are allowed to still invite men into the town, and they can even venture out to find a partner if they want. But the only men allowed will be men who want to follow their rules and live the way these women say. The men will not be in charge. And this is my favorite part. They have to find work outside of town during <laughs> the week, and they can only come back on the weekends. <laughs> Weekend only men. This is a dream. There are about 
600 women living in this town, most of them between the ages of 20 and 35. And again, we're either going to post pictures or Google this place. They're all stunning. It is like almost so funny that they're all just living in this town alone because straight men would just be drooling. Like the most beautiful women you could ever imagine, all really young. Um, A few of them are married and with kids. And they're luckily they were able to find good men who were like, hell yeah, I'm about this. I'll do this. So they are allowed there. But a lot of the women are single. And to be honest, most of them are perfectly happy. Sometimes marriage is on the brain, but other times they're perfectly content because they love this peaceful community they've created. Um, A lot of the women, when they've been interviewed, because of course reporters and documentary crews have gone here like, what is happening? I'm obsessed with you all. And they've been quoted as saying, there are just a lot of things that women do better than men. Our town is prettier, it is more organized, it is more harmonious than if any of the men were in charge. When problems or disputes arise, they resolve them in a woman's way. They try to find consensus rather than conflict. They, you know, they aren't starting wars, they aren't starting fights. They're saying, how can we compromise? Let's try to get to the same place. Also, there is a lot of sharing, including the land that they all work on and live on. There's no competition for the land and for the space. It's just all for one, one for all. Just so much community. And women, I do feel like in general, obviously there can be pettiness and cattiness with every woman, but there is there is something about like sharing. And I always think of, this is such a silly example, but like a woman who starts her period in a public bathroom and needs a tampon and a stranger offers her a tampon. I always love those moments because it's just like, yes, girls, we got each other's back. Yeah, I mean, it's like just, we, it's a level of empathy that yeah. we have just naturally built into us. Yeah, we're all like, we're all connected in that way. So the women really come together in the town and a lot of them just love with the way that it's run and don't necessarily need to seek a mate because they like how it is. And that is Nova de Cordera, Brazil. And love I love it. that it exists. Buy my ticket. And if Alex ever pisses me off, that's where I'm headed. <laughs> <laughs> Joe can come. He just has to find a place to fucking work Monday through Friday. I know. They can only come on the weekends. See you on Saturday. thought that was really cool. I love that. I am obsessed <laughs> with that place as well. I'm glad you didn't cut it. Um, I'm going to Mexico. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for what you're covering. Mexico. I just remembered. I'm so ready. <laughs> There's a real weird place in the Chihuahuan Desert in northern Mexico, and it is known as the Zone of Silence, or sometimes the Mapimi Silent Zone, because it's located on the now Mapimi Biosphere Reserve. And the Silent Zone is an area where radio signals don't work, compasses spin out of control when placed near the ground, strange biology abounds, meteorites and rockets seem to randomly crash here, and oh yeah, UFO sightings and close encounters with extraterrestrials are reported constantly. (laughs) Of course they are. Of course. I'm not so this place is legitimately very weird I'm just gonna go over kind of the history of it what happened here and and all the high strangeness that has occurred year to year so throughout the 20th century when when people started paying attention to this place large meteorites landed in southern Chihuahua near the zone with two even falling on the exact same ranch one in 1938 and one in 1954 Uh, A third one fell in 1969 in the Allende Valley, just to the west, 
Locals said that the noise of it entering the atmosphere woke people up. People for miles saw the light and heard the tremendous noise of the crash, which even broke some windows in the area. And this meteorite attracted the attention of scientists from around the world because there's just an unusual amount of very large meteorites that seem to have crashed in the same area, which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. So... In 1966, it was named the Zone of Silence. Um, A company, Pemex, which is a national oil company, sent an expedition to explore the area. They were looking for places that they could get oil. And the leader of the expedition, Augusto Harry de la Pena, was frustrated by the problems he and his team constantly were having with the radio communication. It just didn't seem to work there. In fact, even today, you can be listening to the radio loud and clear for miles, and then all of a sudden, you can just endlessly scan your radio with no stations coming through. So it just cuts out when you're in this area. Radio signals Mm. just sort of get jarbled in this area. And people attribute the disruption to subterranean deposits of magnetite and the debris from the meteorites that's just scattered everywhere because so many have hit. Right. But after 1966, this place became kind of a curiosity, you know, because of the radio signal stuff. Everyone was like, how interesting. Maybe I'll go check it out. But in 1970, the zone made national headlines because Mm. on July 11th, an Athena rocket was launched from a U.S. Air Force base in Green River, Utah, as part of a scientific mission to study the upper atmosphere. And the rocket was supposed to come down near White Sands, New Mexico, and then they would, you know, go retrieve it. Instead, it went wildly off course. To this day, no one knows how. And at about two in the morning, it crashed right in the heart of the zone of silence. Whoa. Almost of course as it if did. it was attracted to the area. Something was pulling, pulling it, it in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at this point, the United States wanted to send someone to investigate on behalf of, you know, the U.S. Army. And they chose none other than Werner von Braun, the famous Nazi rocket scientist who helped us build our <laughs> space program. Yay! Yay. Uh, and this turned into a huge operation that seemed to me disproportionate to a simple like rocket crash. Yeah. Von Braun took all these reconnaissance flights to explore the crash site, and then with the aid of 300 Mexican workers, a 16-kilometer rail spur was built across the desert to the impact crater, and then a team of Americans came in and investigated. They were there for a full month. They brought and put up temporary dormitories, labs, kitchens, medical facilities. They even built a, a runway for small planes to transport cargo directly to Houston, Texas. Oh, wow. And by the rail system they built, um, they hauled away tons of debris as well until it was literally all gone. There was no evidence left of the five-story, seven-ton rocket or the impact crater or the rail spur they built. They cleaned up every last piece of everything and left. Jeez. And I know it was a freaking rocket into foreign soil so that's pretty serious but the fact that they came and like swooped in built all these facilities it was super secret took every scrap with them and then they were like it's nothing it's nothing don't look <laughs> over nothing. here don't look at me yeah it seems <laughs> a little me. weird to me that but is, i don't know the, yes that's bizarre that raises some flags 
There was a memorandum sent from the desk of Henry Kissinger to President Nixon, 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 <laughs> Mr. Nixon, um, about this that refers to it as an abnormal reentry into atmosphere. And that was like all that's been said about it. I'm sure eventually one day we're going to get some declassified CIA document. But like this oh, is 100%. all that we have record of. And uh, but also this memorandum happened to state that they the rocket was carrying two small vials of cobalt 57, which is an isotope used to enhance radioactive fallout with the intention of contaminating large areas of land. Not great. No, America. I don't love it. (laughs) But this rocket crash sparked a pretty high interest in the area, and a few years later, the Mexican government created the Mapimi Biosphere Reserve. And the reserve has a research station. It hosts scientists from around the world, many of whom are biologists who are there studying the unusual plant and animal life of the area. Uh, What's unusual about them is that they are fat, baby. They're chubby. They're big, (laughs) big boys. Oh my. They're big. Oh, little chubs. Just more robust than okay. <laughs> populations outside of the reserve. Flowers and cacti are bigger than others of the same species. There's also a strange purple coloring on the cacti and flowers, like on the stems. You know, most of the time they're like brownish or green and they're yeah. purple here, which seems. Sounds pretty. Okay. They are very pretty, but at the same time, it's like, is this radiation? Right. Is this okay? I should be worried. (laughs) Specific interest has been focused on the gopher tortoise, North America's largest land reptile, who's even heftier in this area than he is in the other areas in which he lives. (laughs) Another interesting thing about this area is that there is a larger area extending to the northeast that at one time, millions of years ago, was under the sea. So you can find all kinds of seashells and salt deposits there, as well as fossils of ocean life. Oh, wow. In the middle of this desert, which I just think is so cool. That's so cool. I would love to see that. Well, you can't because people are warned not to go there because it's supposedly (sighs) riddled with old mine shafts. And due to the moisture that the soil retains there, it's really, really difficult to drive. Honestly, Mm. to me, I read all that and I was like, that sounds like a front. It's like in Close Encounters where they tell everyone there's a gas leak that will kill you to keep them away from Devil's Tower. Yeah, it's it's just trying to keep us away from finding out the truth. I know. What do you got? What do you got in there? Dang it. What are you hiding? <laughs> For generations, strange stories about this area have poured in. Encounters with strange beings, an unusual frequency of meteor showers, um, unidentified lights in the night sky, obviously. People have seen everything from crafts to strange moving lights and even fireballs. Sometimes people have reported seeing flames rolling down the sides of mountains and disappearing. Whoa. There have been a number of reports of either isolated ranchers or lost visitors running into tall blonde beings. Um, Excuse me? Lest we forget. Tall blonde beings? This is Mexico. So. (laughs) Wait. Tall blonde. There is no other description other than tall blonde beings. Are these just like supermodels from space? Kind of. Basically, the tall blonde beings, they're, they're almost never seen alone. It's always a pair of them or two pairs of them. They speak perfect Spanish. They just ask for water. Usually when they, if they do speak, they ask for water and then they're on their way. Some people have literally said they disappeared, not like right before their eyes, but they were like, here, have some, yeah, here's some water. And then they like turned and they were talking and then they looked back and they were gone, but there was like nowhere they could have gone. It was like, what the fuck? 
was that? Damn. Yeah, what just happened? A couple people have actually spoken to them more, like asked them where they come from, blah, 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 blah. The only answer that's ever been given supposedly is above. Hmm. Like a base. They just say above. above. Huh. Which kind oh, of to okay. me just seems like two old California hippies are living out in the middle of nowhere and they're like, we're going <laughs> to fuck with everybody. But <laughs> we're going to say above. <laughs> above. The higher being <laughs> sent me down, man. This is actually something we're going to get more into in a few weeks when we have Caitlin on. We're going to talk about alien races, yeah. including this race, which are known as the Nordics. Oh, boy. There is one family there who are hoping to make the Zone of Silence a popular area for visitors. Like, people come occasionally, obviously, to check the place out, but it's in the middle of nowhere. There there aren't, like, hotels anywhere. Um, The people that do come are pretty awful. To Like, they leave trash places. They trespass on people's private property. It's bad. So, um, this guy, Benjamin Palacios and his wife... Uh, well, fun fact, first of all, his very own father was the mayor at the time of the rocket crash in 1970, and he was the man oh. who greeted Werner von Braun at the train station when he landed. Wait, the son was no, the, the person? The, to... the father of the this father. guy. The father, okay. He yeah. greeted him when so he arrived. He's, oh, he's my god! definitely gosh. connected to the history of this place. But he and his wife want to build a series of cabanas and offer tours of the area, and they kind of feel like, one, it's an opportunity to get more people in the area which means there's more opportunity to make money etc cetera, etc cetera. but also mm-hmm. like it kind of controls the people coming in and out you could tell them where they can go where they can't go you can remind them sure. to clean up their shit and like teach them to respect the area so i think it's a great idea yeah it gives them the power a little bit yeah while letting people in mm-hmm. and like they just seem very cool and they seem very connected to this place. They themselves have had many unexplainable experiences. Um, for example, Benjamin said, when I was 12 years old, a light appeared from above and completely encircled us. I was traveling with my brother in the zone. We didn't know what was happening. When we got back to the ranch, we realized we had lost two hours. Whoa. They have reported many instances of abnormally large flora and fauna to the reserve. And according to Benjamin, he has never been sick. Never been He's sick? He's never been sick before. Not even a little a little cold? Nope. Okay, well. Sorry, he believes it's because of the zone. That there's something about the area that I believe that. Protects that is him. crazy. And I mean, even that story about them losing the two hours of time. It's like, okay... Is this just an alien-run zone? It yeah. is. It's just blonde supermodel aliens who occasionally need to ask them for water, but are in reality standing on top of a hill monitoring all of these folk. Yeah. I. That's wild. His wife even said, The zone has been very good to our family. Our daughter, Alejandra, and her husband could not have children. They tried everything. They went to all the doctors. They tried in vitro. Nothing took... When they came to the zone, they conceived, like, immediately. And then two years later, they wanted to have another kid, so they returned and conceived again. Well. Which, like, I chihuahua. (laughs) Heating up (laughs) in the zone. The zone is heating up, y'all. Bring your sexual escapades to the zone in Mexico. This episode should have been called the fun zone. (laughs) This. 
this is the fun zone, you guys. We found we it. titled the last one. Let's bring it over here. If I My don't call goodness. this episode the real fun zone, I'm never going to forgive myself. <laughs> then we shouldn't even be podcasters. We've missed our opportunity. Oh, that's so funny. But also... Every time you tell me these stories, because Ashley, you are the queen of alien stories. That is like why we started this podcast. I just hate that there are even other theories that exist because honestly, it's aliens. And if you all disagree, you're wrong. You're wrong. Aliens are running this zone in Mexico. (laughs) And if you want to have children, the aliens will allow it. Yeah. I just, there's no other explanation. None of anything you said makes any sense. Well, if you ask the Mexican government, the United States government, or pretty much any skeptic, they will tell you there's nothing going on. There's nothing weird about the zone. Radios work fine. Compasses are fine. They didn't build this reserve because of the rocket crash. And the strange lights seen there are common desert phenomena, much like a mirage. There's nothing going on there. Idiots. And that, I guess that could be true. Like, obviously... People have had strange things happen there. The biological life there is obviously very interesting, um, interesting enough to have researchers from around the world come to like check it out. But there is a theory that the U.S. Army helped spread the rumors of the UFOs and the E.T. contact and the strange phenomenon to cover up their enormous fuck up in 1970. Because now when you try to read about that area, all you get are paranormal theories. Instead of that time, our country accidentally dropped a rocket with radiation isotopes on foreign soil. Ugh. Again, that goes to last week's episode where it's like, what are you trying to hide? What's the political move this time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard are you to cloning tell. an army out of permafrost or are you hiding something? I also wish I could. Oh, God, I wish there were some declassified documents on that crash because I also was thinking, you know, uh, the, that zone was put on the map, especially with that exposition uh, expedition where. You know, radio signals were reported to not work there and all these meteorites are crashing there, strangely. And I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be crazy if the United States purposefully crashed this, you know, accidentally crashed this rocket there so that they could research the land and what's going on there? Yeah. Okay. And all they had to be is like, oops, I'm so sorry. We will clean it all up. Sorry about this rocket, but let us build these little facilities just really quick, and we're going to clean it up, and we're just going to take a couple of thirty days. (laughs) Let me—you won't even know we're here. (laughs) Little sand in a ziploc bag. I got it. I'm out of here. You won't even know we were here. (laughs) So that's a possibility. Definite, definite possibility. Yeah. So, uh, huge fan of that place. I would like to go. Huge fan. Thank you. I would like to go. Is there okay? You said you can't actually visit it. Can you get anywhere? Well, I think you can visit it. It's just a matter of like if you had a van that you could sleep in or something, or see, I don't know, like like, the climate or like I, I really don't know, like how hard it would be to camp out there. If it would be miserable, I don't know. But it's not like there's not like huge gates up that are like you can't come in here. Sure. So you can, I believe, you can just go there. And it's not mapped out either. Like the zone of silence, it isn't like you're entering the zone of silence. Now you're leaving the zone of silence. Right. (laughs) But 
I just think that it's it's not a, a full tourist destination because there is nowhere to stay and there's nothing right. around. It's not like, well, we'll stop by the Zone of Silence and then we'll go to Applebee's. <laughs> and then we'll, yeah, then we'll go on to this lovely resort. Yeah. Now, I was more asking, not that we should ever do this because we may put ourselves in danger, but I was like, if you and I rode out there and slept in a car, could we, is more what could I was saying, and see- do our computers die? Do our phones die? Does any of our paranormal equipment right. die? Like, wh- I kind of just want to test it. But then at the same time, like you said, if we end up just being, like, out there sweating and abandoned, then what's our game plan? <laughs> so yeah. maybe it's not great. Well, let me see here. I'm going to see more. <laughs> see what our drive time is. It's only <laughs> 16 hours. You know, that's real quick. And we only have to drive through uh, Ciudad Juarez. So oh, that's no. the most dangerous place um, yeah. on the planet. And yeah, we just have to drive through. It'll be really easy. To young, stupid women, I'm sure we wouldn't look vulnerable <laughs> or available for violence in any way. Whites. <laughs> the whites. <sighs> okay, I don't think we can go, but I'm intrigued by it. Yeah, but I'll, you know, if anyone does go, take some pictures. And that's all the time we have (laughs) this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for listening to our show and hanging out with us every single week. We are very blessed. We love you. Please join us next week as we discover even more creepy and weird places. And then you have about 24 hours from the time this episode is released to potentially get in a question for our next guest, Chloe, the host of Stripper Stories, we're going to be talking about sex. And I am so excited. I am so excited for this episode. Please submit questions because we are going to go in. Yes. We are posting about it on our Instagram, but this is sort of a last call. So if you hear this before, say, 8 p.m. on Saturday, May 1st, 2021, send us any questions you have about stripping, sex, sex work, fetishes, kinks, relationships, working in a club environment, sexuality, anal. We don't care. Send it in and we might ask it on the show, which would be very exciting for us and you. Yes, please. Follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Head to iTunes and rate our show five stars, please. Make us look good. <laughs> Head to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. If you want to donate some money to our show, you can donate $1, 5 or $10 once or monthly. And with that, you'll get access to bonus episodes, discounts on merch, and a newsletter full of cool horror movie and TV news, strange and spooky stories, and be in the know on upcoming ideas that we have for the show. You can also buy a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, or sweatpants from our Etsy store at www.etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast. What's up? Sign, sign off sign today. Up. Welcome to the fun zone. We got fun and aliens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so oh. funny because last week was the fun zone, but damn, you really damn brought it. it. Really uh, we found it, it though this week is the thing. And last week it was called the Fun Zone. It was an ironic name because it was yeah. a real bummer. It and this so week depressing. we found the fucking zone. Get in the zone. Silent zone. <laughs> Silent zone. We got something in there. That's enough for him. Mm. And keep it weird. And keep it weird. Uh. 
So if you hear this before, say 8 p.m. on Saturday, May 1st, May 1st, May. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. I'm almost done. If you hear this before, say 8 p.m. on Saturday, May 1st, 2020, one, go. <laughs> I cannot. You're like me, me when we do this week in weird videos. Yep. Here we go. <laughs> 